leading us in worship this morning. On Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019, in the chamber of the House of Representatives, President Donald Trump will deliver what's called the State of the Union Address. This address fulfills the constitutional requirement for Congress to be given periodic updates of the State of the Union and legislative goals for the year. Over the last few decades, the State of the Union has been a, well, a, a chance for the President to speak to not just Congress, but all of America. And during this time, the President will highlight achievements gained and he'll outline priorities and policies for the coming year. Well, this morning, I'm going to follow a tradition that we've established here at Village Church over the last seven years, and I've prepared a State of the Church address. Um, it's a far cry from the political propaganda that you'll hear from the State of the Union address, which always happens, but um, it is a time for us as a church to focus on what God calls us to be about as a church. Seven years ago, you'll recall that we as a church, after much study and prayer, formulated a succinct statement defining the fundamental purpose that we uh, have as a church, the reason why we exist. It's displayed on your bulletin every week. You can look at your bulletin, the front cover, and it says, Seeking God, Sharing the Eternal Gospel, and Serving Others. That's what we determined for us here at Village Church would be our mission from God's Word. Seeking God, sharing the eternal gospel, and serving others. This above anything else, everything else, is what we are. This is why we are as a church. About a year and a half ago now, my wife and I traveled to China to visit our daughter and our soon-to-be son-in-law there in China. And while we were there, actually it was Hong Kong, we visited the, one of the largest sitting Buddha statues in the world. I noticed beside this sitting Buddha, or uh, Tian Tan as he's known, there were three stone Buddhist deities that were sitting there, uh, which were supposedly um, there to help humans attain enlightenment. I noticed that the people had gathered around one of these deities and were throwing or trying to throw coins into this woman's outstretched arms, into her, her hands. And I asked someone who spoke English, what are they doing? And they said, they're making a wish. And if you made a wish, and your coin happened to stay inside the outstretched hands of that Buddhist deity, your wish would be fulfilled. That's how the story went. Have you ever wished? 
Have you ever made a wish? Have you ever looked at a falling star or sat in front of candles on a cake or, or stood beside a fountain and thrown a coin in and made a wish? All of us have made wishes before. Something deep, our heart's desire. At the beginning of every new year, I make wishes. I don't call them a wish. I call it resolutions. Maybe you made some resolutions, resolving to maybe change a few things. I, I happen to have it here in my Bible. It's, it's, you can tell it's, a, it's extreme. I put lots of time and effort into this. You can see it's tattered and torn a bit. I haven't put much time, but I did scribble down 10 things that I think would be well for me to give myself to and wish that this would occur in my life. Not just wish, but it's my desire, my heart's desire, my personal desire for doing life better. Did you know that God has a wish for you? As we're making wishes at the beginning of the year, maybe you didn't realize that he has a wish for you. He has, well, it's really his greatest desire for you, the, the greatest want that God has for your life. It's written in the Bible in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30, and it says this, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Now, as you look at that and you're thinking about that, you're saying, Pastor Jeff, this isn't a wish, this is a command. In fact, this is the first and greatest command. But I'd like to suggest to you that this is more than a commandment to observe. Because love cannot be commanded, and this commands love. No one can command someone to love them, even God. He can't. You can't demand love. You can ask for obedience, you can demand respect, you can, but you can't demand love. Love can't be demanded. This Christmas season, this holiday season, all of the Kinneys have been home for the holidays, and I just happened to have a couple pictures. I knew that you'd be interested, so <laughs> my granddaughter's and their parents, and my daughter, Elise, and her husband, Ryan. All of them, we were all together this Christmas season, and I got to know my granddaughters a bit better. And I can tell you, I've been praying for my granddaughters even before they were born. And, you know, I've, I've been hoping that my granddaughters will love me. I love them. I love my granddaughters so much. It's, it's my greatest joy to just spend time with them. But I know that I can't demand love from them. Because love comes softly. Love comes willfully. Love comes decidedly. In this first great commandment that God asks of, of us, it's really a summary of the first four commandments that are written in Scripture in Exodus chapter 20. And you know that very well. Here in this command to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, God is summarizing, have no gods before him, don't take God's name in vain, don't make idols and worship on the Sabbath day. All four of those are combined together. 
And God knows that he can't command love. He knows that to have love, it will take something more. It will take an exodus. But even more than an exodus, better than an exodus, to love him, he knows it will take an incarnation. And so that's what he did. He loved us so much, he became human, God in human flesh, to be the payment, as 1 John 4.10 says, that this is a, his payment for sin. In, in this is love, the gospel writer says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And this, in the first commandment, to love God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In this greatest commandment, Jesus invites us, as followers of God, to know him, to come into relationship with him. He's been seeking you out. He sought me. And now he says to us, will you respond? Will you respond? Toward the end of this service, we're going to do something we oftentimes do at Village Church at the beginning of the year. Actually, we've done something like this every year. You're going to get another kiss, a chocolate kiss, a Hershey's kiss. And you've, I think we've done this at least once, maybe twice. Sometimes you've gotten a dove, a little dove uh, chocolate. Uh, I think it was last year. You got a pencil and, and a little saying. And at the beginning of each year, uh, we give you a little something. Um, and this year, what I'd like you to do with this is not just put it on your shelf as I, I've asked you to do in the past. By the way, at early church, someone walking out said to me that a gentleman said his wife still had her Hershey's kiss in her purse after six years. <laughs> so, but I've given this to you as a reminder of the love God has for everyone. But what I'd like to give it to you this year for, and the good deacons will do that later on in the service, I don't want to have you holding it too long. It would be an overwhelming temptation. So, but toward the end of the service, you'll, you'll get that. And um, as you take this chocolate, eating it maybe as part of your dessert, Certainly not all of my dessert this afternoon, but, <clears throat> but, uh, um, but as part of your dessert, letting that chocolate just uh, be immersed with your saliva and smelling the delicious smell and enjoying the, the rich, sweet chocolate, I'd like you to sense again God's wonderful love for you, how he delights in you, how he thinks of you as so beautiful and wonderful and delicious and special. Would you do that? Okay, so eat it, remembering that, and you won't have to put it on your shelf, okay? But uh, my wish for you will be in this, in that you make God first in your life. That's my challenge to you, first and foremost. This is how Jesus framed it in his most famous sermon. He said this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 
in other words, of greatest importance, more than anything else in all the world, worth more attention that we give to anything, is my connection with my Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus is saying. Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. Make that first in your life. Make that foremost. Seek God. Seek His kingdom. Seek His goodness, His righteousness. Make that your first priority every day of 2019. That's my challenge to you this morning. Because, as Jesus said, if we will do that, if we do only that, all these things shall be added to you. He said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, if you make every day your priority to be covered with His goodness, to be immersed in His righteousness, in His holiness, in His love for you every day, to have Him live in you and work out His character in you. That's my challenge, Village Church. Would you do that? Secondly, we say on our bulletin every week, seek God, share the eternal gospel. You see, as recipients of God's love, we also then become conduits of God's love. He uses us to share the good news with others. Jesus said it in his great commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And I really love the way that Ellen White summarizes these words and elaborates in the book Acts of the Apostles. She hits the nail on the head when she says the church is God's appointed agency for the salvation of men. It was organized for service and its mission. Here it is. Our mission is to carry the gospel to the world. Exactly what Jesus said. Go into all the world, he said. The task that we've been appointed is clear. We are God's agents. We are His messengers. We are to carry the good news. We are contagions of His kingdom in the world. We're living agents. We're ambassadors. Ambassadors of His saving grace. To tell everyone we know, whenever we can, whenever the opportunity is right, in loving and kind and appropriate ways and considerate words, tell them the goodness of God what you've discovered in Him as your Savior and Lord. Tell everyone you know whenever you can that God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Tell them. He didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. That's what He did. This year, as has been our tradition for every year that I've been with you here at Village Church, we are going to invite another gifted and skilled preacher of the good news to join us. His name is Taj Pakleb. We've invited him. He plans to join us uh, for nine days, two weekends, March 15 to 23. I hope you write that down and remember it. You'll be hearing more about it. But we've invited him to join us as we do every year as we take an opportunity in a public way to tell others about Jesus Christ right here through an outreach series. 
But I have to say, as I've thought about this, um, evangelism, our calling to be God's agents, reaching out in the world, isn't accomplished by merely inviting a professional to come and speak to us about God. It's not accomplished. That's, that's part of it. That's a piece of the pie, but it's not the whole pie. As good as that may be, and I know that Taj Pakleb will do a wonderful job. He's a devoted young man and seeking to tell people the good news in great and, and compelling ways. But as good as that will be, it's just a small piece. The bigger piece, according to the Bible, Outreach, evangelism is every believer, everyone who's received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior becomes a conduit of that good news, telling others about the hope we have in Jesus Christ, that God, who had no part in my sin, has taken my place for my sin and given me hope and eternal life, that's the good news. That's what God has done for us. So that if I choose His goodness, His righteousness, His life becomes mine. God sends me as His agent. And I love the way Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. There, in that one verse, that is the good news. That, that, that myself, me as a believer in God, I'm, I'm a bearer of that good news that God, who had no part in my sin, has taken my sin in Jesus Christ, that I could have His goodness. And I'm called, I'm invited to live for that every day. To live for that before my neighbors, my friends, everyone every day, in word and in action. To allow God's goodness to revolutionize my life and then to allow Him to empower me to live and walk and do and say and talk the good news, sometimes using words, but all the time with actions of love. That is what evangelism is really about. And that's what needs to happen with each and every one of us. Paul described the whole thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, when he said, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You are God's ambassador. You're God's agent. We are his change agents in the world. Early in December, I was reminded of that amazing Thai cave rescue that you will remember that happened this summer when a team of young soccer players and their coach survived in a cave in Thailand for 18 days. The team was known as Mupa. Mupa literally means forest pigs. How'd you like to have that for your... So, uh, soccer team name, Forest Pigs. But it actually can also mean wild boars. That has a little bit more uh, pizzazz to it. Uh, wild boars. There were 13 people at practice, 13 players and a coach. 
And on the evening of June 23, 2018, they decided after practice, at least 12 of them, one went home, 12 players and, and their coach decided that, that they would go visit a nearby cave that was visited quite often by tourists and whatnot. It was just a few miles away, a popular limestone cave that uh, was, had, had a, a, a large parking lot and restrooms and a, and a ranger facility where they let out in tours. And so their, their goal was just to take a, a few minutes. They didn't mean anything more than an hour at the most. And and they were just a young group. The youngest was 11 and the oldest was 17. One of them was enjoying his birthday on that very day, his 16th birthday. So they went to the, the cave, this popular limestone cave, and, and uh, they had no, no difficulty at all going fairly far in. But then they expected that they would be able to get out just as easily. What they didn't know was that, as can happen easily in northern Thailand in just a moment, even in the middle of the summer, even before the monsoons, it can rain. And they didn't know it was raining. They were under the ground by thousands of feet. They were inside by at least two kilometers. And so they had no way of knowing that the skies had begin, begun to pour. And as the waters fell on that mountaintop and gathered into streams, and disappeared into sinks, they, it began to rush through the limestone and gather into voids below. The water rose so quickly that the boys and their coach were trapped. And as the parents soon found, and the world soon after that, we were all horrified and feared that all of them would die. Their rescue, as I read it, this story, maybe you've read about it, I, I was amazed with this story, at the elements of divine providence. It wasn't acknowledged as that, but I could see God at, at work. Uh, and also, I was amazed at the outpouring of extreme, sacrificial human concern. Hundreds of people and untold resources were directed towards saving this band of 13, these 12 young boys and their coach trapped over two kilometers inside the earth. And the daring rescue that took place a few days later using extensive equipment and extreme skill and, and days of preparation was amazing. One at a time, each one of these boys and their coach, over three grueling days, each one of these, one by one, were delivered. They were, first of all, tethered, tied to a diver. They were bound up in a buoyancy jacket to keep them neutral in the water, neither floating nor sinking. And then they were sedated, and a full face mask was put over them. They were like a precious... Human cargo is what they were. Quiet, still, steered through tight tunnels and carried over portions that were dry enough to walk and passed from one volunteer to another 
like a bucket brigade passing a human being over certain places. And in one spot, they were strapped to a stretcher, clipped to a, a line that had been anchored by volunteer rock climbers and maneuvered above rock and muck to the next place where they were again submerged and taken underwater. It took over four hours to rescue one. On July 10, they were all safe and grateful. You can imagine, grateful. They wanted to go home. But they were grateful to the volunteers, grateful to the the rescuers, grateful to the world. Just think of it, all those people involved, the spelunkers, the the divers, the, the people who pumped water and diverted streams to keep the, the, the sinkholes from filling in. The villagers who cooked food and, and, and washed clothes for all the, all the volunteers and others. The multitudes who collectively saved these 13 people for no other reason than that they needed to be saved. They would have died otherwise. As I read that story, I couldn't help but think, you know, God looks at this world. God looks at this world. And he sees the mass of humanity drowning, drowning. Some people, when he looks at them, they have a look of terror on their faces because they know what they're facing. Most others, however, just have a look of, well, kind of like smug security, oblivious to their danger. But God looks. He sees. And he's at work doing all he can to save all who will. And you're a part of that rescue operation, Village Church. I'm a part of God's rescue operation. He sends you. He sends me. He's doing all he possibly can, and part of that is me. Part of that is you. We are part of his saving crew. He said to Peter and John and Andrew and James, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he says the same thing to every one of us through you. God is reaching out. He's attempting to rescue dying men and women. We are God's appointed agency. God made it that way. That's our mission. That's why we exist. That's why we are. My life has been transformed by God. I'm a a different person today because of what He has done for me. I've seen couples whose lives were just a mess transformed by God's goodness and God's grace. I've seen hard, brash, boisterous, crude, beat-your-face-in-bikers transformed by the good news. I've seen it. I've seen prisoners from Walla Walla State Penitentiary transformed by the gospel. Before I ever came to Village Church, I knew about your prison ministry. Because two of the former inmates were part of Spokane Central Church, where I pastored. Two inmates, former inmates from Walla Walla State Penn, 
who were released and reintegrated into society became members of the Spokane Central Seventh-day Adventist Church. Wonderful men, transformed from a life of drugs and alcohol and crime and abuse by the power of the gospel, by the power of the gospel to become upstanding citizens, members of God's kingdom by the power of the everlasting gospel. In my desk, I have the 18-month certificate or, or token that's given to um, AA members for their 18-month clean and sober um, memorabilia that one of those gentlemen gave me as just a thank, thanks for, for what the good news had done in his life. And I have to tell you, when he gave that to me, we celebrated at Village Church, I mean at Central Church in Spokane. Central Church was like Village. We rarely applaud. When someone's baptized, we, you know, we, we are happy and we, we applaud. But at Central Church in Spokane, we never did that except when this gentleman shared his 18-month clean and sober certificate and emblem with us, and the church erupted in applause. That's the good news. That's the good news. And, you know, when John, that was his name, he testified um, that he had made it through another month Without that terrible substance, the church broke out in applause and praise to God. And that's what the church is all about. That's what you and I are about as followers of God. And to that end, I want to challenge you this morning that we would be God's agents, His agents of reconciliation in this world, sharing the good news with others. That's what we've been called to do. Finally, last of all, the third component of our mission, you've seen it every week on our bulletin, is to serve others. That's what it means to be a follower of God. We're not saved just to be saved. We're saved to serve. We're saved to, to help. In Jesus, one of Jesus' most powerful parables, he made a stunning claim, if you really think about it. He made the claim that there will be a time of judgment. And at that time of judgment, every human being who has ever lived will stand before his judgment scene, before him as the judge. And he said, this is what will happen. When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So you see here, we're not just... <laughs> We're going to be brought before him. And the, the, the issue in judgment is not going to be what nationality are you or what's your socioeconomic standing or what educational achievements have you attained or how good are you. That's not going to be the issue. That issue is kindness. Imagine it. Kindness. That's what the text plainly says. It goes on to say, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. And then it says, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Kindness. 
to the least deserving. Kindness to the marginal. Kindness to those who are forgotten. Kindness. It's crucial. Now, Jesus is not promising salvation by service. (laughs) He's not saying you're saved because you serve. He is saying, however, that service is a part of being saved. (laughs) When you're saved, you naturally serve. It's just part of your life. It's what happens naturally. Of himself, it says in Scripture, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The Son of Man came for that. And Jesus came that we might be saved so that we can serve. I love the way Steps to Christ says it. To love Jesus will be manifested in a desire to work as he worked for the blessing and uplifting of humanity. Simple, straight, but clear, isn't it? I've read that in some churches in China, new believers are welcomed with this saying. Jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to listen with, new hands to help with, and a new heart to love others with. Isn't that good? I like that. That's really what it's all about. You were placed on this earth with a special assignment. You're not saved by service, no. But you are saved for service. In God's kingdom, you have a place. You have a role. You have a function. You have something that only you can do. And for me, that truth is energizing. It gives my life value. It gives my life significance and meaning and purpose because I I know that God has a place for me. God carefully created me to serve Him in a very specific way, and you as well. Every one of us are saved to serve. And serving the least of these is not something I do in exchange for heaven. But it's a passion that fills me because I'm on the way to heaven. God gives me wealth. Not so that I can put it in storehouses. God gives me wealth. Not so that I can make sure that my comfort is secure or my children are are well taken care of. God gives me wealth so that I can relieve and comfort and help others. That's why he gives me wealth. God blesses me with talents and gifts and abilities, not just so that he can make me great, not so that he can make me important, not so that he can make me popular. God blesses me with talents and gifts and abilities so that I can use them to bless others, to help others, especially those who are less fortunate than me. That they may be blessed and our lives may be blessed too in service. We're healed to serve. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're saved to serve, not just to sit around waiting for heaven. And so I want to challenge you Village Church, 2019. Would you love one another as 
God has loved us. That's what John said. Love one another as I have loved you. John records Jesus' words. So the deacons, they haven't passed them yet. Uh, go ahead for it. Go for it, deacons. You're all going to get a Hershey's kiss. Uh, save them for dessert, would you? Put it in your pocket, not too close to your body or it'll be melted. Huh? <laughs> and if you are, know that you're going to be especially tempted and you need to eat this one quickly, take two. <laughs> and if you know that two won't last, take three, okay? <laughs> but take these as a reminder, would you? And today at lunch, when you're finished with lunch, or, you know, if you have to do it on your way home in your car or whatever, would you take this chocolate and remember this chocolate, savory, delicious as you eat it. Remember it as an illustration of God's love for you. How he invites you to, bless, to be blessed by him with his beauty, with his love, with his saving grace, with his mercy. Let this chocolate be a rich reminder of God's love for you, would you? And not only that, but let it be a reminder to you that you are God's ambassadors. You are God's ambassadors of grace. He sends you from this place to your neighbors, to your friends, to anyone that God would allow you to, to interact with, to be ambassadors. And also that God is going to use you to bless somebody else, to serve someone else, to, to share and help someone else, to give care and love and kindness to someone. So, Village Church, would you be that? Would you love God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? Would you make that first and foremost in 2019? If you do that, everything else will be fine. Everything will be good. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Make Him first. Seek Him first in 2019. Make that your first work every day, would you? Secondly, would you pray every day that God would use you as his saving agent? Pray that God would use you some way to communicate the good news to somebody every day? Let him put people into your mind. Let him bring people to your remembrance, people that you can contact, people that you know, people that you run into, people that you have a chance to talk with. Let him use you as his agent of good news. And finally, would you use your effort? Would you use your time? Would you use your talent, your possessions to, to help and serve and, and care for others? Jesus said that's what really matters, kindness, kindness. So, Village Church 2019, by God's strength, let's be that. Let's be that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love for us in Jesus Christ. A love so amazing, what you've done for us to rescue us just confounds us. It's so big, so deep. And also, Lord, it, it compels us if you would do that for us. 
we are compelled to, to share that good news with others. So this year, Lord, 2019, we want to be an instrument in your hands. We want to be connected to you every day to receive from you the strength and courage and direction we need. Then to go as your agents in this world. Give us words to say. Give us actions of love that communicate care and, and concern and true kindness. Bless us, O oh Lord, as your agents of reconciliation. And also, Lord, may we use our time and talent to serve, to help, not in order to get a reward, but because we are rewarded by you so deeply. So, Lord, to that end, we, we pray and we need your help. We can't do it without. We know that you'll help. We know that you'll give us the strength. And may you get all the glory and all the honor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.